morning and welcome again to our services here at the Central Church of Christ in beautiful Clearwater, Florida. We're grateful for your presence and especially those that are visiting with us. Thank you for coming and being with us this morning. Those that might be watching online, thank you for being with us as well. We're always thankful for the opportunity on such a beautiful day to be able to come together to worship God in spirit and in truth. And so we are grateful for you your presence. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 13 verses 20 through 22 as we ask the question, how deep is your faith? Good question, isn't it? How deep is your faith? You know, those of us who belong to the body of Christ at some point in time, we made the decision to become followers of the Lord. And thus in our obedience to the gospel, the desire, the intended goal to grow stronger in our faith, to become more and more Christ-like in our daily lives was a wonderful thing. And yet sometimes we fail to grow. Sometimes we are not what we ought to be. Sometimes our faith is not as strong as it should be. And so again, the question is asked, how deep is your faith? There are three things that we notice based on the great parable by, set forth by Jesus here that no doubt we know that Jesus was the greatest teacher who ever lived, greatest preacher who ever lived. And so Jesus oftentimes employed a, a series of parables to convey divine truths. Such is the case here when he uses the parable of the soils. And, and in using this parable, he talks about how the seed is the, the kingdom of the kingdom, is the word of God. The, the seed, of course, is deposited into this ground and ultimately it, it yields fruit. It brings forth crops. Spiritually speaking, we find that the seed in the kingdom, which is the word of God, is deposited into the human heart. And the goal is to bring forth fruit. And so having said that, look at verses 20 through 22. And the first thing here is the fact that tribulation is that which can take a toil on our faith. When we talk about tribulation, of course, we're talking about difficulties in our lives. Note that what is said here in verse 20. Jesus said, but he that receiveth the seed into stony places... The same as he that heareth the word and immediately with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not rooted himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. As we think about tribulation and how it can take a toll on our faith, the difficulties of life, as we consider the probability of problems, that what we're really saying is this, if you live long enough, you're going to experience some problems here on planet Earth. It's just guaranteed. We don't know when that might come, but it will come if you live long enough. There would be un it would be unusual to get through this life unscathed by any human problems at all. Problems come in any number of shapes and forms. I like what Job said in Job 14.1 when he said, Man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. What, what about some of the problems that we face in this life? Well, there are any number of difficulties that really come our way on a daily basis 
First of all, we, we think about health-related problems. There are people, young and old, that have a wide variety of health problems. It's just amazing to hear what people are experiencing in this life. Sometimes those problems are debilitating. Sometimes they are what we would call minor nuances. But nonetheless, they are problems and they affect the human body. And sometimes our health problems are not just physical, but can be mental in nature as well. But problems come and they are any number of individuals that are in the midst of these problems. There are some people that are coming through problems. There are some people that are getting ready to go into problems. And so problems are a part of life, aren't they? Health-related problems. And then there are other problems, like for instance, these would have to do with our relationship. We might call them interpersonal problems. But look at how many people from a social perspective that face difficulties on a daily basis. There are a lot of people in our world today that may have problems getting along with their fellow man. It's a common reality. As a matter of fact, there are some individuals that have literally driven wedges, if you will, in personal relationships. As I said a moment ago, that tribulations can take a toll on our faith. But then what about career professional problems? Is it not the case that some individuals in our world today, they have difficulties on the job? Yes. Look at all the people that have lost their jobs just in the past couple of years. Is it not the case that we are facing uncertainty economically speaking, problems. I mean, that's just another problem that we have, economic problems, isn't it? There are individuals that have lost their financial resources. I think about the current, the current climate in our country today, the cost of gas and, and diesel, the cost of food, the shortage of baby formula and, and such the shrinking down of our retirement plans and the, the cost of medical procedures. And now the cost for most of us who've gotten to that age of Medicare, of all things. Something else we have to deal with, another problem, if you will. There are many that, for whatever reason, have lost everything. And these are just some of the problems that we face in this life. But think with me in the second place about how some possibilities can arise out of our problems. You see, problems are a reality. We understand that. Tribulations, the troubles of life, are, they are common to all of us. But what about the possibilities? Have you thought about that? There are two ways that you and I can handle problems in this life. Number one, we can either, either allow the problems, the, the, the trials, the tribulations of this life to either deepen our faith or destroy our faith. Those are the only two ways. Bear in mind the choice is ours. Did you hear that? The choice is ours. Let's look at the possibility of allowing the tribulations of trials of life to deepen our faith. Let me give you an example of somebody who I believe faced a siege of problems in life. His name is Job. You probably have read that book on occasion, but many of you are familiar with Job. But just read some time of that great book because Job was a man unlike any other man. 
unlike any other man. I have never known a person like Job in my lifetime. But when I read about this great patriarch from the past, I see a man who's besieged by problems. Look at Job 1 and verse 1. Very interesting. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. In verse 6 and following, Satan came and accused God of building this hedge around him. Basically, the premise was that if you remove that hedge and let life tumble in, what will he do? Well, Satan thinks that Job would curse him to his face. Well, guess what? That wasn't the case. Job lost 10 children, seven sons, three daughters. He lost many of his flocks and herds and his servants. In chapter 2, we find that he lost his health. His own wife even said, why don't you just curse God and die? How sad that he even got to that point that she would even say that in verse 9. But in Job 13 and verse 15, you can read the book and you'll find that Job had any number of questions as to why these difficulties were confronting him in this life. Job had no idea that it wasn't God doing this. He had no idea that it was Satan that God only allowed Satan to do those things to Job. Job had also three friends that tried to analyze the situation and they came up with some false conclusions as, as to why God was doing this to him and of why he was experiencing these difficulties in life. But the bottom line is, in Job thirteen fifteen, Job said, though he slay me, Yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. We may not have an answer for everything that we face in this life. Why not we have the idea that God is on our side? Why is it that we are looking at it from the point that God has it out for us? I promise you, I can assure you, that's not the case. God is on our side. Job had a lot of questions, and Job had questions for God. But Job did not have the wisdom to stand toe-to-toe, if you will, with God. And so ultimately, what was it that got Job through this crisis? What are we talking about this morning? Faith. His faith helped him to endure the trials, the temptations, the difficulties that he was experiencing. He had the kind of faith that would and could not be moved. Another example would be the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we read about Paul's thorn in the flesh. Do you remember he prayed to the Lord three times in verse 8? And the Lord said in verse 9, My grace is sufficient unto thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I believe that the Lord was saying to Paul is this, look, this thorn in the flesh, it can deepen your faith in me. If only you will let it, allow it to happen. So the problems of life, one of the possibilities is when we face these things, 
that it can be used to deepen our faith. Another possibility is that it can literally destroy our faith. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 13, 21. Jesus talks about how tribulation can arise and what happens. And he says, here's an individual who stumbles. He or she falls. And the reason is that their faith is not what it ought to be. It's not deep enough. Listen, if you, if you do not have a deep faith, when you are confronted with the trials, the tribulations, and the difficulties of life, I can promise you, you will not stand. The devil will do everything within his power to circumvent your faith, to destroy your faith. If he can use trials, if he can use tribulations, whether it be illness, disease, or the loss of a loved one, it doesn't matter to him, that is to Satan. What he wants to do is to destroy your faith, to turn your world upside down. He wants to turn you against God. And that happens from time to time, doesn't it? Let me give you a second thing that we see in our text as we ask the question, how deep is your faith? And this has to do with the, the idea that persecution can pressure on your faith. One, one of the things that stands out to me when I read the New Testament is how Satan oftentimes hurls what we would call persecuting darts, right? Persecuting darts. These people faced a lot of difficulties because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Jesus said, when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, what, what are some facts that can relate to, to persecution? If you and I are the kind of people that we ought to be, we're not going to be exempted from persecutions. As a matter of fact, when Jesus gave what is commonly referred to as one of the greatest sermons ever preached, that is the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5 and verse 10, Jesus said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The idea here is that when people that are persecuted for their faith in the Lord, they're persecuted for what? For righteousness' sake. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12. He said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. What Paul is saying here is this, that if you and I have the kind of faith that we ought to have, the probability is very high. It's very high that we're going to face some, some form of persecution. Persecution is a reality for the people of God. You go back and you look at the early church, have you ever thought about how the, the church of Christ was born in a cradle of persecution? In Acts chapter 7, we read about the, the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr, stoned to death. I mean, the Bible tells us that the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. In Acts 8, in verse, verses 1 through 3, this, this same Saul of Tarsus made havoc of the church. He was a one-man wrecking crew, if you will. He was doing everything within his power to destroy those who belonged to the body of Christ. And when this great persecution swept the early church, the Bible tells us that God's people were scattered abroad. And those who were scattered abroad went everywhere, what? Preaching the word, Acts 8, 4. Over in Acts 12, verses 1 and 2, the Bible tells us that when James, the brother of John, was put to death by the sword by Herod the king, 
And over and over again, we read about saints who suffered for their faith. It was said of Paul and Barnabas that they risked their lives for the cause of Christ. I take that to mean that here were individuals that were willing to place themselves in harm's way for the cause of Christ Jesus. Now Jesus said that sometimes persecution can cause people to lose their faith. But what about the forms of persecution? Are there some forms whereby you and I are persecuted? Let me give you the two forms of persecution. Number one, there is what we might call verbal persecution. Verbal persecution. Sometimes we're taunted for our faith. Have you ever had somebody make fun of you because you are a follower of the Lord? Have you ever had somebody ridicule you or mock you because you claim to be a child of God? Have you ever had someone use implied terms to, to describe you as a, a child of God, as a Jesus freak or a holy roller or, a, or call you two goody or, or goody two shoes, if you will? I suspect that many of us have. I have. If you look at Acts 16 and, and chapter 17 as well, again, you read about some of the disciples of the Lord. In Acts 16, we read about Paul and Silas. And when they were in the city of Philippi, they were charged as men who were troubling their city. We have verse 20. But what were they doing? They were preaching the gospel. But the people in that city didn't like what they were preaching. And they said, well, they're just going around causing trouble. Troublemakers. Have you been called a troublemaker? I am. Only because of preaching the word. They were trying to benefit fallen humanity with the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts 17, when they went over to the city of Thessalonica, the Bible tells us that they spent some three Sabbaths there reasoning with the people out of the scriptures. They talked about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were charged as men that turned the world upside down or come hither also, verse 6. What did they do to Paul and Silas? Well, they ran them out of the town. They ran them out. How did they do that? They stirred and troubled the people by using words. They verbally assaulted Paul. Sometimes verbal taunts can be worse than the physical injuries. And so there are verbal forms of persecution. And then there are the physical forms of persecution. I'm very grateful to God that you and I, that we live in a country that will allow us the religious freedom. Now, the question is, is how long is that going to last? As sad as it may seem, if we keep going in the direction we're going, it will be not too long from now. I'm glad that we had the opportunity to come together on the first day of the week to be able to pray unto our Father in heaven, to be able to give of our means as we've been prospered, to be able to hear preaching and teaching from God's holy word, to be able to sing the songs of encouragement and teaching, to be able to memorialize the death of Jesus Christ, to partake of that unleavened bread and that fruit of the vine in representation of the bread of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm very grateful that we don't have to go underground like some of the people did in the first century or in caves. 
that we don't have to worry about being threatened by the military forces. Because we believe in the Lord, because we want to worship God on the first day of the week. Go back and look at the first century saints. In Acts chapter 5, they, there we read about the apostles who were beaten. All because of their faith in the Lord. Because they were preaching the resurrected Jesus. In Acts 16, the passage I alluded to a moment ago. Again, we read about Paul and Silas as they're in the city of Philippi. And the Bible says in verse 23, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Those guys suffered for the cause of Christ physically. I remember in 2 Corinthians 11 where Paul recounts the very adversities that he faced on behalf of the Lord. He said three times that he was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. He can, you can read about the exploits of the Apostle Paul and some of the other first century saints. But here's the point. If you and I belong to the body of Christ, we need to expect some form of persecution. Again, the question is, how deep is your faith? Just how deep is your faith? If your faith is not what it ought to be, if your faith is not deep, persecution can ultimately destroy you. Yesterday, we were able to go and knock on a few doors. And we knocked on over 200 some doors. Eight of us were able to go out in, in twos and cover some ground. There were a few said that they got top two, I guess you would say get off my property or don't ever come back. I'm an atheist. I have to say that Mark and I didn't have any ill will towards us. In fact, it was very receptive. But to know that there's been those other times where my wife and I was literally thrown off their yard, basically, by don't ever come back get off my lawn. It hurts to know that the people are not receptive to hear the word of God. There were quite a few that we just left the door knockers on their door. Hopefully they read it. What must I do to be saved? Come judgment day, if they read that, they won't have no excuse to say, well, nobody told me. And that was the point of us going out, was get the word out. What must I do that's the most important question that you will ever ask. But there's a third thing I believe that Jesus identifies here in our text. Because in verse 22, this has to do with the idea that temptation can test our faith. What about temptation? When we talk about the devices of Satan, the fact that he's seeking to deceive us. And there are any number of, of devices that Satan uses to circumvent our faith. I guess the first question might be, who are the subjects of temptation? And if you and I ask that question, who does Satan tempt, what would you say? Well, here's my response. Satan is no respecter of persons when it comes to temptation. Go back and look at the scriptures. One of the things that you have to appreciate is that the young are tempted. I think back to when I was a teenager, there were a lot of things that were going on uh, when I was a teenager, 
a, a lot of temptations out there. And sometimes individuals who are young can be swayed by those various temptations in life. When you look at Joseph back in Genesis 39, you'll find that Joseph was a young man and he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. She thought she sought to seduce him, right? Joseph could have very easily caved in and compromised his convictions. You and I know that he stood tall though because he said no. I feel for our young people today to look at all the forms of temptation that they face, everything from drugs and alcohol and, and premarital sexual relations, dishonesty, dishonesty, cheating, stealing. I, I mean, there are so many forms of temptation that our young people face. And so we have to understand that temptation is coming and the devil will do everything within his power to tempt us. Now, here's the beauty of it. Yes, the young are tempted, but look at Joseph. Joseph did not give in to temptation. And then I think about the strong are even tempted. Just because you are strong physically does not mean that you're not going to be tempted. You will be. And I would also say just because you are strong spiritually does not mean you're not going to be tempted. Because, in fact, the devil is going to be strong, working harder to win you back. He's lost you. God and he don't want you with God he will do he will use any numbers of ways to tempt to destroy our faith let me give you an example of somebody who was strong physically Samson Samson was renowned for his strength he was a Nazarene and we can read of his exploits in the book of Judges and how he lost his life or how he lost his strength first he yielded didn't he Oh, it didn't happen right at first. But over a period of time, he gave in. What about people who are strong spiritually? Sometimes individuals, because they're strong spiritually, sometimes elders, preachers, deacons, other members of the body of Christ, that they have the idea because of their spiritual strength that they can't fall. But here's what Paul said. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth Take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. We need, we need to understand that it's very easy to, to succumb to temptation. And then what about the rich and the powerful? Just because somebody's rich or powerful, just because somebody has a lot of prestige, does not mean that he or she will not be tempted. They will be. Look at David. David was a man after God's own heart. You want to talk about somebody who was spiritually strong? David. David, no doubt, was a man like in any other. And yet, what did David do? Well, he succumbed to temptation, didn't he? He, he, he? You read about his adulterous union with Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 11. But the point is this. I don't care who you are, rich or poor, black or white, uneducated, educated. It does not matter. Temptation is coming. It's coming. The question is, is are you going to be able to stand tall? Well, the real question is, is how deep is your faith, if you will? That's the most important question. We are all open prey to temptation. 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. 
Is he going to about to devour you? What about you? He's walking about. Looking for prey. Satan is after all of us. How deep is your faith? You know, you're, I, I like what Jesus said. and He said that no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. That you cannot serve God and mammon. The problem is the cares of this world, isn't it? The cares of this life. They're crowding out our faith in God. And, and so you're either in Christianity 110% or you're not. You're either involved in the work or you're not. You're either seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or you're not. Matthew 6.33. When we talk about seeking first the kingdom of God, that word first means before anything else. Again, how deep is your faith? Is the kingdom the most important part in your life? Are you seeking it first? Is it first or is it secondary? Well, Jesus said the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Nothing wrong with money or materialism for that matter. What is wrong is allowing that money or materialism to become our God. To become so fixated on making money and acquiring material gadgets that we lose sight of what's really important in life. Did you hear me? How deep is your faith? Is your faith, if our faith is not what it ought to be, if we don't have deep roots and we're not constantly cultivating that spiritual garden, so to speak, and keeping it clean and free of debris and weeds. and Or else we're going to lose the battle. The Lord wants you to be faithful to him and his word. He wants you to live for him day in and day out. 24-7, 365 days of the year. And even in leap year, 366. Can I encourage you that if you belong to the body of Christ to put the Lord first. To make him number one in your life and not second or third or fourth or whatever the case may be, but to make him first, number one. If you're not what you ought to be as a child of God, if your faith is not deep, if it does not have deep enough roots, then make the changes needed. It's important. There's the prescription right there. And Jesus, as our great physician, has wrote you a prescription. Now, you need to cash it in by reading it, studying it, obeying it, and then applying it to your life. I can't do it for you. You had to do it on your own. How deep is your faith? Is the question you ought to ask yourself. If you're here as, not as a child of God, can we encourage you to become one? By obedience to the very gospel of Jesus Christ, those three facts, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, where we die to sin, being buried in that watery grave, rise to walk in newness of life. You can do that this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, John 8, 24? If you don't, you're going to die in your sins. Upon your belief, are you willing to make the necessary changes called repentance? To turn away from that which is wrong to that which is right. Again, the prescriptions, right? 
tells you what's right and what's wrong, how to make it right, how to keep it right. Are you willing to make that good confession? Then I believe that Jesus is the Christ and he died for me personally. And then are you willing to go down into the waters of baptism to portray that death, the burial, and the resurrection? We're here to help you. Whatever the case may be, whether you want to be restored back to that first love or you want to become a child of God, we're here for you. Won't you come?